Today we're reading from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. And if you're using one of the Bibles from here, you can find that on page 1041. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I'm now going to pray and ask God to help us to really understand how we can be dependent in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks. That we can talk to you and you are there, that you listen. We ask now that we'll spend some time reflecting uh, on what this uh, great gift it is of being able to talk to you uh, should look like day by day. Help us by your spirit to be continually transforming our prayer. Amen. Well, I reckon dependence is a tricky thing. And I reckon talking about prayer has the natural tendency to make me, and probably you, feel a little bit guilty about where your prayer is at. So we're dealing with two things that are quite challenging today. And we're going to see how they come together. Because I reckon it's a pretty big call to depend upon someone. You're exposing yourself. It's hard to do, and yet day by day, it's what we do in the mundane and in the deep relationships. Our workmates, our teammates, our family, our friends, our husband and wives, our girlfriends and boyfriends, all of these relationships that we have, there's an element of trust that you can't avoid. Let me give you a hypothetical uh, uh, kind of example. Let's just say there was a couple, and we'll call them, for argument's sake, Mike and Jen. Mike and Jen trying to figure out how they're going to function. Who's going to do what? 
And the decisions have been made that Michael will look after the lawns and mow the lawns. That's his responsibility. He'll make sure the bills are paid. And Jen will do cooking on Tuesdays for certain. That will definitely happen. And, and most days, Jen will read with the kids. But on Wednesday, Mike, when he gets home at five o'clock, will read with the kids. And then on washing, well, no, I'm not going to do that one. So let's forget about washing because that's always going to be Jen because I'll just wear dirty clothes. I mean, this hypothetical person will wear dirty clothes. You see, if that's what's set up and the trust is there for that's the, how that's going to work. If I... If this guy is going to mow the lawns on a Saturday, but while in bed, he wakes up and hears a lawnmower going. And the lawns have already been mown before he's gotten up. On Tuesday, when it's time for this gen to cook, but Mike comes home with takeaway before there was a chance to cook just in case it was forgotten. And then when it got to Wednesday and it was time to read with the kids and home at five o'clock to read with the kids, but all the work has been done, the readings have all been done, There's an idea of trust, there was a setup of trust, but in each moment, the expression of trust was profoundly lacking. That was hypothetical, mostly. So when we think about, when we think about trust, we're thinking about expressing what we say we do with God. You can say you trust someone in something, but unless you express it, well, there's a real lack. There's a problem, isn't there? And today's topic in this discipleship series is prayer, but it's really about trusting God day by day. And as a follower of Jesus, that means seeing prayer as a crucial expression of that. That is what we're going to wrestle with today. That's what I encourage you to think about. The importance of prayer because it fosters and brings intimacy to our dependence on God. And so how are we going to do that? Well, first of all, I want to kind of just start off with a kind of an introductory idea of seeing what prayer is and what dependence is and how they kind of work together. And then I want us to see the Lord's Prayer. And see how we see that that is Jesus saying prayer is all about an expression of trust. And I want us to finish with some practical tips of ways of expressing it. To move beyond that guilty feeling of, okay, I've heard the, the obligatory Sunday talk on prayer, now I need to do it more, to fostering a passion for talking with God. That's what we're going to try and do today. You can have a look at that in the outline um, if that helps you as well. What is dependence then? What does prayer have to do with dependence? Well, first of all, let's be really clear. When we say dependence, we can use interchangeably trust, rely, and to have faith, biblical faith, is to trust in it. Even when the Bible talks about believe, true belief is to know something, believe it, but then to trust in it. Trust, rely, depend are interchangeable ideas. They help, help us to see uh, what it is. When we say we have faith, we're saying we have trust in God. That is dependence at its basic level. What is prayer? 
at its most basic. It's asking God. It's bringing requests to him. Now, that means what it's not is thought-emptying meditation. Sometimes prayer in the Western world is is kind of being more and more taking on other ideas and other spirituality to kind of prayer being this spiritual, just think about nothing. Now, as easy as that is for me to do, to not think, that's not what we're supposed to do when it comes to prayer. You know, in the book of Psalms, that whole book of prayers and songs and poems, 12 times meditation is mentioned that I had a quick look at and saw. And they were all about meditating on God's works and his deeds, on his love, on his precepts, decrees, laws and statutes, his ways, the relationship. It's all, there was one even about meditating on the promises of God. So all these prayers and songs are thoughtful. Have a look on the screen, verse 48, verse 9, just as an example. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Or in uh, 119, 23. Through, uh, though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. And I think 27 is up there as well. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. Prayer is not coming to God in thoughtlessness. Prayer is saying to God, can you? Asking God to act for you. So those well-known verses in Ephesians and the Philippians, in Ephesians 6.18, we see, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Asking God and the people of God are doing this together. And in that great, just fantastic verse in Philippians 4, and 6, 4 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. When we're asked to do something and the person is expecting us to do it, it's an expression of trust. When Jen asks me to pick up the kids from school, she's relying on another to do something that's needed. To depend on God is to rely upon Him in faith all the time as a way of life. That's why in the book of Romans, Paul starts off uh, and really wants them to see the gospel. And his point is, it's not just that you've been saved, but you've been saved as a way of life that is going to be about trusting God. The righteous live by faith. Look at 117. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written in Habakkuk, the righteous will live by faith. You live by dependence upon God. And first and foremost, that is being saved by God, which is how we started this series, Saved by Grace. And we respond to that in trust. We live it out continuously. We see that in Romans 3, 25, that the the very uh, way that we are saved, Jesus' death for us, our expression is to trust in that. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, which is what we're really remembering in the Lord's Prayer together, that Jesus died for us, his blood was shed for us in our place. 
through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. At first and foremost, we receive, uh, we receive God, the salvation for us, when we trust in him. You see, we start our relationship with trust instead of rebellion and we continue our relationship with trust instead of autonomy, instead of going back to the rebellion, if you like, going, no, I'm going to now do it my way. And so if that's what God wants and that's how we're to relate to him, prayer fosters this new life of trust because it's asking God instead of relying on ourselves. And this is actually, I think, what we see in the Lord's Prayer. There's so many ways to meditate and think on the Lord's Prayer. So many few simple words and a surface reading, you can get what it's saying and then it's so deep that you could just preach on it week after week, I reckon, and draw out stuff out of it. I want us to see how Jesus is showing them to trust in God is how we pray. You see, what we see, I've broken it into kind of three areas. What we're seeing if we're going to focus of our dependence in, in our, uh, looking at the Lord's Prayer is we see God's character. And secondly, we see God's plan. And then thirdly, in light of those, we will see our way of responding by knowing and trusting in it. See, if we see this prayer that Jesus has explained to his disciples and a little bit after it as well, we see God's character. Prayer is trusting a holy God. Father, hallowed be your name. God is totally different to anyone else. He is so unique, so distinct. He is holy and his holiness is good and perfect. We've looked in previous weeks about God's holiness and how distinct he is and how magnificent and big it is that we can't even go into his presence without Jesus because of his holiness. He is so other and magnificent. But he's not just other and holy and distant because this other magnificent holy God we address as father he is a loving God despite ourselves he is our father and this father forgives Forgive us our sins. He forgives us. And so our response of faith is only because he's made it possible to trust in him because he's dealt with our problem. That's how much he loves us. And so when we think about prayer, we're constantly being reminded of the love of God because he is our father who is so different. Even to your father, if he is a great father, he is a pale insignificance to this father because he is hallowed. And if your father has let you down in some ways, big or small, 
there is this father who doesn't. And when you let him down, he forgives you. This is God's character. And so when we pray, we're trusting in a God who has amazing love for us. And we see that in that little illustration right right at the end, the how much more illustration. This illustration really hits home to me because I really do have an irrational fear of snakes. And so when you get to verse 11, it says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? And I'm like, that is the, that's not even worth making that illustration because snakes are so horrible and so wrong. You know, in the garden, there's a snake there. You know, Satan's associated with a snake. Snakes are bad. I'm getting a bit carried away because I really don't like them. But that's the point. Giving them, giving your kid something that is just so dangerous and causing of death, when they want something good, it's not going to be the case. And he's saying, you're kind of evil, guys. You haven't got it all sorted. You're not hallowed. And you know to give good gifts to your children. You've just thought about the character of God. How much more will your Father in heaven give you good things? That's not quite exactly what it says, is it? How much more, in verse 13, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The good thing, the Holy Spirit, the absolute thing that we need, the one who transforms us into Christ, the one who helps us trust in Jesus, the one who shapes our character, the one who emboldens us to follow him, to be his disciple, to be an ambassador for Christ. There is no better gift that is a little bit better than a fish. And it's certainly no snake. It's this amazing gift that God is going to give us himself in a deeply personal way. This is the character of our God, that he wants to give himself totally and utterly to us. And we need to be changed. His spirit, God himself, is transforming us to be like his son. There is nothing, nothing greater than that. And he gives it abundantly. So we've just touched briefly on the character of God. Time and time again, when we look at the scriptures, that is what we are confronted with, what God is like. And when we pray, we are reminded of the character of God. We can trust in this God. But it's not just that he's got a great character, it's what's so linked with it is his plan. His plan, going straight back to the beginning of the prayer, Father, hallowed be your name. His character set up and then your kingdom come. God's plan is that God's kingdom will come into fruition. That the brokenness of this world, that the continual rejection of him, the disaster that is all around us, is not the end game. That is not the final plan. There is a new creation that we saw a little while ago. This new creation, your kingdom come, God 
is bringing in his kingdom in Jesus. The Gospels and Luke, the Gospel of Luke is showing how the kingdom is coming and Jesus is going to bring in that kingdom through his death and resurrection. And while it's kind of here, because he's already died and risen, eternity, when he returns, is where it comes into fruition, into full completion. That is the plan. Luke 24, is Luke 24 up there, um, Nathan? Yes, excellent. At the end of the gospel, the whole plan Jesus is kind of outlining in succinct ways. In one way that we see this plan outlined, Jesus says, after he's risen from the dead, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. All of your Old Testament scriptures about me are, are about me. That's the plan, that I'm going to fulfill them. So if we go on, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, that they're all about him. And then we see he told them this is what is written. The Messiah, Jesus himself, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. God's plan is that his kingdom will come. And so we see, forgive us our sins because the plan is the kingdoms come as God's people are renewed through forgiveness by the death of Jesus. This kingdom is coming. There is a turning back to God. That's what repentance is, to turn back to God. And the people of God are part of it. They're forgiven. They forgive others and they long for eternity. In Matthew, the, the Lord's Prayer is a little bit um, extended. Matthew wanted to highlight something else as well and said that your will be done. That this kingdom is not just going to accidentally happen or it's not going to happen um, if we rally together as God's people and we force it into being. God makes it happen. And the plan in the meantime for God's people, give us each day our daily bread. That his people trust in him. This simple request of asking God, give us our daily bread, is God's people saying, We are totally and utterly dependent upon you. Even for our daily sustenance, we have nothing but to depend upon you. It's temporal, but it's needed. But that's not all. We see that our prayer means we've got to bring everything to God, even what we need now. I was reflecting on this a little bit about that thing we do before we eat, grace, when we thank God, and it becomes kind of a, yep, ritual a little bit, something we just must do. But the act itself is that moment where we say, this that we're just eating, we're not taking for granted. God, you provide all for us. There's nothing we have that's not yours. It is actually a profound moment in trusting in God when it's done with the right heart. But I think we see that 
If God's plan is that his kingdom comes and it comes through Jesus and we each day want our daily bread, there is a spiritual bread that takes it beyond just our daily provision. The bread of Christ, as we reflected on already in the Lord's Supper, is our eternal sustenance. It's clearly daily provision and it's also a call to trust, I think, in the real sustenance into eternity of Jesus being the bread of life. I think we see that this call of daily bread, it, it's hard not to recall, I think, what's going on for the, what happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. In Exodus 16, 33, 34, which isn't up on the screen, Nathan, um, that, there's, that the Israelites are wandering in the desert. They've got it so wrong after being redeemed in such spectacular ways and they need their daily provision. And their daily provision, God provides for them from heaven. Manna from heaven. If you've never read it, go back and read it. It's amazing. Starving, they get Moses to ask God. Literally, they're depending upon God and they come to him in prayer and ask him, see how this is what prayer is supposed to be like? Needs will be provided. And if this is the expression that they needed to continue them on, surely we see that Jesus being the bread of life where he came down for heaven, from heaven. But not just to be with us, to eat with us, but to die for us in bread that was broken so we can feed on him daily. The spiritual bread we really need, the bread of of life is Jesus and all of it is coming to God and asking him for who else could we ask give us each day our daily bread is such a simple phrase with profound implications if we truly understand what lies behind it father I have nowhere else to go but to trust in you for everything, even my daily things. So we have God's plan. We have God's character, which we see is why we we want to talk to him, because he's got a plan for us that we are part of. His character is one who loves us, so we, we bring everything to him. We respond. Our response is knowing and talking. We need to know this loving Father who cares for our eternal future. We need to know his plan is for his kingdom, which we belong to. And then we talk. We bring our requests to him, depending upon his relationship to us. We have a passion for his plan, that what we ask for isn't, we don't want your kingdom to come, God, because I actually kind of like it here in the mess that I'm in now because of whatever reason. We pray and bring our request to him, longing for his kingdom. It's why you can't have prayer without the Bible and you can't have the Bible without prayer. It's why we had the Grounded in Scripture Week. Because they are so linked together. We hear from God. We know who he is. We understand him. And it's on that basis we can come back to him and talk to him. We
we need to remember what God has done for us. And we need to be passionate about thinking on it, meditating on it, trusting in Him, and asking God for anything, knowing He provides what we need. Verses 9 and 10, which we had with the kids, that was a, that was a, a fun all-ages spot today. So it was quite, quite good. And it was, it's a really good point. We just get on and pray. But we can just get on and pray and abuse verse 9 and 10, can't we? We could just take it in isolation to say, well, just ask and ask harder and just do it more and more and more and you will not, you will get through the door if you push that door down, if you pray harder and harder and harder. If you pray hard, you'll get stuff. If you pray hard, you'll get blessed in many different ways. But verse 9 and 10, which starts off with, so I say to you, in light of persistent prayer that's uh, brought up in, in 5 to 8, which I'm not going to go into today, and in light of the Lord's prayer, in light of His plans, we ask and we are given. That we don't ask for God forgetting His character for us, His, his love for us, rather, and that His plan for His kingdom to come and then think we can just knock down the door on our own back. The Lord's Prayer shapes our asking and being given. We pray for what we're not sure about. If it's good, God provides. We don't need to, oh, I don't know if this is a kingdom prayer, I don't know if this is right. God is the one who's sovereign over all. We bring our request to him. If it's good for us, he brings it to us. Our, our way of praying is to not pray out of selfish motives, to not pray for godless greed. There are neutral things that we can pray for that aren't good or bad in of themselves. Should I buy this car, this house, should I do this degree, should, these things aren't in of themselves evil or good. And so we bring them to God and God, uh, God is with us. We're not contradicting God's character if we bring before him lots of different things, the things that are little, that are kind of trivial, God's sovereign over all things, he hears it all. But if we just pray for the trivial and we're not focusing back on his plans, we might be losing the point. We pray to God, trusting in Him to help us work out life as we long for the kingdom, knowing He's a loving God. When we pray, we only pray trusting God if first we have asked for forgiveness. If you're not sure where you are with God, today it's not about going away thinking, I need to pray more and then I'll be right with God. It's saying, Jesus has loved me so much and died for me. I trust in him. That's what you do. That's when you know you've turned to God 
and then figuring out what it means to pray. So as we uh, finish, I want to just reflect on a few things on how this can look like a life of dependent prayer, what it looks like. There's four things, I think I put them on the outline or part of the, uh, on the, in the outline. The first one I want to say is that we need humility before a sovereign God, not a means to an end. You know, Revelation 4 and 5, we read, we've read that a lot this year and we remember that worthy are you, God, because you have created all things and the Lamb has opened the scroll. God is the one who is worthy of all praise into all eternity. So we're hum- humble before a sovereign God, but I think the important application for our prayers and the things that I know I need to remind myself is prayer is not a means to an end. It's not about cause and effect. Our prayers do not include a list of personal accomplishments to God. Look at this, God. Now I've got this for you. Our prayer is not a way to get good stuff, neutral things, or even definitely not things that are evil. You know, time and time again, God responds in grace to those who pray to him that way when they're not a follower of Jesus. My father-in-law was one. And we have many stories of people who are saying, who in desperation say, God, if you're there, I'll go to church. If you're there, I'll believe in you when there's some crisis and God in his grace brings them to life. But that's not how we pray once we're given life. We pray depending upon him, not bargaining with him, not showing our good accomplishments because all our good accomplishments are are being transformed by the Spirit because of what God has done in us. The second point is, if you haven't picked up on it, I think we see we're focused on God's plan always. Colossians 4 uh, verse 2, I think that's up on the screen. Just chuck that up there. Nathan, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devoting yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful is really important. Paul wants, wants those that he talks to to pray for him so that he'll have doors open so he can talk about Jesus. He wants to proclaim the gospel. That's his request of prayer that he can talk about Jesus to people. Prayer is God's plan transforming people, as 2 Thessalonians says, which we won't go into now. In 1 Peter 4, it's for his glory that the, the end is near, so pray. We pray always remembering that God's kingdom is coming and it's going to be totally and utterly shaped by Jesus. There's many different ways to understand God's plan for you, that Jesus is the head of all things, that the, the story of the Bible is that God makes a, a new covenant with us, that there is a gathering of, of God's people after they've been scattered. There is a new creation from the old creation. There's all these different ways that we see God's plan and they're all focused on everything being united to Jesus. Understanding that more helps us in our trust in God and in our prayer. The third thing I think that shapes what our prayers look like is learning to bring all your anxieties to him. I think the key here is 
working hard at articulating where we need to trust God. To actually owning it and speaking it to him. For some of us, we have real anxieties. For many of us, at some point in our lives, we're going to have anxiety that's irrational. Anxiety is a real issue for our society. It's hard. We can still bring, we need to articulate that to God as we're wrestling with those health issues. We need to bring our anxieties that are just stresses in our life that are coming up and bring them to God and articulate them to Him and saying to Him, I'm really struggling to trust you in this because of my stress or my anxiety. Philippians 4 6, that idea. Just quickly go back to that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Notice everything, in every situation rather. There's not a part of your life that you shouldn't bring to God. The big moments in life that are going to bring us maybe anxiety, stress, excitement, the job interview, the big purchase, the the hard conversation that's had to be having had that you're just dreading. And the everyday moments. There's something that comes up at work that you don't know what's happening. Do you just get on with your life and you never bring any of those things that you do day by day to God? And then you're really stressed out, stressed out about them at the end of the day. Brothers and sisters, I think we see a, a dependent prayer life is one where we articulate where we need to trust God and articulate our anxieties to Him. God, this is what is going on for me now. You could start your prayers like that. Of course he knows. Of course he knows what's going on for you. He has saved you. He knows all things. But articulating it fosters trust in him and refocuses you. There's a lot more for reflection on that at another time, isn't there? Let me finish with the last point, time and intention. We need to actually just do it on one point, that we need to spend time praying and we need to be intentional about it. Last week when we talked about generosity and giving, we talked about, the Bible is very clear, you've got to be deliberate. You can have the notion of being generous, but if you don't actually put effort into it, it doesn't happen. It's clear that's the same in prayer. There's this whole um, moments in Acts when the church starts where it's started and prayer is everywhere and it should never cease. In uh, Acts one fourteen, they together and constantly prayed and there's devotion to prayer and then in chapter 6 verse 5, the apostles devoted themselves to word and prayer. Brothers and sisters, I need to actually be more devoted to word and prayer as your pastor. But so that you will be more devoted to word and prayer. We have to be faithful in prayer. And then there's this memory verse. If you know, never know a verse of the Bible, there's one memory verse that's all about prayer. What is it? Does anyone know what the memory verse is? It's two words. Pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 or whatever way your translation says, says it. Pray continually. Don't stop talking to God. And so we use 
the Bible in our prayers. We're deliberate. You can't be deliberate in your prayers if your prayer time is just before you go to sleep because your prayers will not end. They'll end with you snoring, not with bringing praise to God. Do you ever get to a prayer when you're in your bed, in Jesus' name, amen? You might not make it. Do you only pray with others? Why is it that you don't pray in small groups? Are you fearful of how others are going to think about you? Isn't God the one you should worry about? And Doesn't he just want you to talk to him? And He doesn't care if you stumble on your words? Have you ever written down prayers or seen how others have written prayers? I said at the beginning, prayer dependence is a tricky thing and prayer makes us full, full of guilt. What Jesus has done with the Lord's Prayer is said, dependence isn't tricky. That's just coming to God and acknowledging he's the one in charge of all things. Prayer is you expressing that day by day. So just get on with it and pray to your God. Let me do that now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we have life in him and we thank you that we can trust in him day by day. Renew us. Transform us. To be growing more and more into Christ as we long for the kingdom to come. We thank you for your amazing love and grace towards us. Help us to express true dependence on you in how we live and in our prayer as we bring all of our life to you. Amen.